Welcome to the Elevate the Vibe podcast, bringing you juicy convos with thought leaders discussing the wild world of parenting. I have found that if you are there with a woman in labor and you see how she is managing and you assist and support in that management, you don't have to do multiple checks because you know that she's progressing. We have significantly low rates of doing pelvic exams during labor because we're there in the labor with you. That clip is from our guest of the show today, BJ Snell, founder of Beach Cities Midwifery. My name is Katie Berlin, and I am your host of the Elevate the Vibe podcast. And with me is my co-host and newly found love for running hubber, Jason Berlin. What up, what up, Shug? You know, it's funny, uh, during this whole quarantine thing, I've been a little stir crazy. I'll be honest. I'm probably the only person who has felt that way during this. <laughs> All right, maybe not, but it's kind of odd. You know, I started an Orange Theory class literally a week before this all got shut down. I was so excited to reinvigorate my health, and I, like, planned this Orange Theory class, and then I, I went, and I loved it, and I went running on the treadmill, and then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, we're completely shutting down. So... Uh, I actually impressed myself a little bit and was able to run for a good distance. So when we were locked up for a week or so, I was like, you know, I'm just going to go for a run. I'm just going to do it. You know, Katie, my lover here who's staring at me like, you know what? I've told you this shit, motherfucker, for a long time that you need to just get your butt running. And, you know, I'm, I'm a slow listener as some husbands tend to be. But yeah, I just went out and I was able to run like four miles and I kind of impressed myself. So I was like, I'm just going to keep going. So like the next time I ran eight miles, I came back and I told her and her jaw dropped and and it's hard. You know, we've been married now for about 11 years and to get Katie to um, I'm sorry, we've been married for almost 10 years, nine years, nine and a half. Why are you looking at me like that? This, this, is, this year will be nine years. <laughs> this year will be nine years. So we've been together, though, for what, 14 years, 13 yes. years? Yeah. But uh, it's important to stay active during this time. You know, it's like we're all cooped up. We're on like day 612 of this quarantine and I'm just done with it. You know, we're all feeling a little stir crazy. Yeah, I think the mental health piece is really important, but physical health is important too. And if we don't put some sort of structure and plan in place for ourselves, it's a lot easier to feel like we're going crazy. Yeah, I feel like I have a, such a clean mind after I go for a run and I'm actually down like 10 pounds or so. I'm down to 197. Guys, two weeks of running, three weeks maybe, and he loses 10 pounds. Like... <laughs> what the fuck yeah. like what the actual i've been working out like crazy my entire life and nothing happens i think the scale just goes in the other direction you know i think it's important not to drink the haterade shug you know because <laughs> uh, i worked really hard for those two weeks and <laughs> <laughs> no it's it's important to take care of yourself it's awesome to see those results too right away because not that you're doing it for that, but it's just sort of nice to know that your effort is paying off as and, well. And I do eat remotely healthy. You know, I'm not too crazy with the snacks and I, I cut out sweets for like three months. But now that the quarantine is in full effect, I have been basking in our neighbor's cookies that she brings over periodically. All of a sudden, we'll just walk home and there'll be a bag of cookies. I'm like, what the hell are you doing, Kathy? <laughs> like, yeah, our neighbor you're trying, to, fuck, <laughs> trying to mess up our diet. us desserts on our gate all the time. She'll put them in a little bag like banana bread, cookies. And I'm like, okay, 
okay, yeah, just just keep them coming. What Katie doesn't know is that I eat like one or two of them before they even get in the house. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 stop it, stop it. <laughs> it's like I'm finally getting my fitness in check and here's chocolate chip cookies, so. Yes, everyone's kryptonite is your very kind neighbor's banana bread and chocolate chip cookies. I know she makes that shit with Crisco too. She like Paula Deen's that thing up because those cookies are astronomical. They are, they are amazing. Anyways. Anyway, so today's episode is with the founder of Beach Cities. As I mentioned, I actually did give birth at Beach Cities. It's a birth center versus in a hospital or with a gynecologist. So it's a little bit of a different model in that midwives run that group. And today's episode is with BJ Snell, who is the founder of Beach Cities Midwifery. It is described as a women's care and birth center. It's located in LA and Orange County. And BJ has been a women's health care practitioner since 1977. She holds a PhD in nursing from Oregon Health Sciences University and is renowned for her work in advanced midwifery care. Her expertise extends to postpartum as well. She's also a lactation consultant with years of experience helping women initiate and continuing to breastfeed their babies. She's also been the director of selected midwifery education programs, most recently with USC and Cal State Fullerton. So without further ado, let's welcome BJ onto the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Yes, today we have BJ Snell on from Beach Cities Midwifery. And BJ, can you please give the audience a little introduction of yourself? Sure. I am a certified nurse midwife and have been for 30 plus years. Um, Have had the opportunity to work in all settings. So um, home, birth center, and hospital. I also teach. I'm Professor Emeritus at California State University Fullerton and teach in the midwifery program that I um, developed and um, directed for 12 years and still do a little teaching. I love working with students, but my passion has always been working with families during pregnancy and birth and um, have the three birth centers. We have the Beachside Birth Centers, which are connected with Beach Cities Midwifery in Long Beach, Laguna Hills, and Corona. Very good. Can you share a little bit about your background when you were growing up and sort of what led you to Sure. Yeah, the path that you're on now? Um, I knew that I wanted to be a nurse very early, and that was because my mother was a nurse, and she was a surgical nurse. And so she just assumed that that would be the direction that I would take when I got into nursing. And I fell in love with obstetrics. And she thought that was crazy because (laughs) it wasn't technical enough. And I said, that's why I like it. It's a transition. It deals with life. It deals with um, growing and developing families. And I think we birth as many mothers as we birth babies. And I think that mothers and dads need to get off to the right start. So I was um, very intrigued and loved the obstetric world, uh, maternity world, as I graduated from my bachelor's program, which was in Alabama. 
Y'all may notice a little accent, um, <laughs> even though I've been away for quite some time. Um, and I left Alabama and went to Colorado, where I worked for a very brief period of time as a nurse and then went back into a master's program um, to learn about women's health. So the broader aspects, not just maternity, but also all of the aspects of, of care of women throughout their life. Um, after that program, I moved to California and had the opportunity to work in the Southern California area. Again, pretty briefly, I met my husband, who um, we've been married now 42 years. Wow, congrats. Thank you. That's a milestone. (laughs) Um, And we pretty quickly moved to Oregon. Um, He got transferred with his work, and that allowed me to go back to school to get my PhD and my midwifery. At about the same time, I had two kids, and you know, was able to get them launched a little bit before I started my career in midwifery. We moved back to California in 1988, and I've been here ever since. Predominantly early in my career was in hospital settings, but had the opportunity to create and develop the birth center that was part of UCI Medical Center back in the 90s. And that was really an innovative opportunity because birth centers were just not heard of. I mean, even now, right? definitely not as common even right. today. But it was really uncommon then. And I have to applaud their efforts of understanding that there were many different ways to provide care for women. And one of the things that we did not do well in hospital situations was care for women that were low risk. Everybody was treated as high risk. And then if you ended up being low risk, it was like, ah, good job. But everybody was treated as high risk and therefore lots of interventions done. And this gave the opportunity to look at a midwifery-led model of care that was safe, that was satisfying, and that had great statistics. So we did that for about five years. And then that closed due to you know, some of the political environment, and I don't mean somebody was elected that shut us down, it was that insurances changed. And when the insurances all changed at that time, there were only two places in Orange County that would accept Medi-Cal. But when managed care came into the mix, they paid less than Mm Medi-Cal. And so everybody opened up to Medi-Cal you know, both from the hospital side as well as from the physician side. And so our numbers plummeted Mm -hmm. um, because women had closer access. I won't say better access, but closer access to their home. And certainly that's a a very important thing. You want to have your care as local as possible. So that closed. And then um, I opened the practice Beach Cities Midwifery down in South County. So there are a couple different aspects that you touched on that I want to dive into. Mm-hmm. So first I want to get an idea of what are some of the differences in a nurse that maybe has gone through school, has their uh, bachelor's, has taken the boards, become an RN mm-hmm. versus a midwife nurse. Okay. When you graduate with your nursing degree and credential, you are able to work in any areas of nursing. You don't generally have a specialization. Um, Once you get out and start working, sometimes you fall into an area, fall in love with it, decide that's gonna be your career path. 
But midwifery is post-baccalaureate. So after you finish your nursing, that gives you that broad basis of health in the many different areas, um, both from a preventive health as well as an acute care health. Then if you have that passion, which I have always had, for um, women's health, then you can go to graduate school and get the education and clinical experiences needed to then get certified as a nurse midwife. So it really is a blend of you know, your foundational nursing, but midwifery is, is a separate specialization and entity that focused on women and women's health. Now, obviously, the one thing that we specialize in is pregnancy and childbirth and early parenting for women that don't have any major health problems. And um, we've been able to show that we can do that very well. With the process of having care under a midwife, Mm -hmm. I know now, since I've been a patient of Beach Cities, (laughs) that outside of pregnancy and the postpartum phase that there's also other gynecological care that's offered as well which could be a misconception some people think like oh a birth center the only reason that i would go to a birth center is i have my child and then the baby's born and after that i'm off and we just go through the regular medical system for any future needs yeah the scope of um, nurse midwifery practice is really focusing on all women's health care again for healthy women So if you have some what we call comorbid factors, let's say you're hypertensive or you're diabetic or those kinds of things, you're going to need other health professionals to help with the scope of your care. That's almost one of the parameters to be seen as a member of a birth center is that you may not necessarily be able to have care if you're considered quote unquote high risk. From the gynecologic perspective, that's not so true because all women, regardless of their health status or their comorbid factors, still need a routine annual review of their health. And I think what midwives do really well is pull back from that, oh, well, let's just focus on your diabetes or let's just focus on your lupus. Um, Let's talk about where you are, what your age is, what do you need, what's coming down the pike, how do you understand it, and making sure you're getting those preventive health education as well as procedures if needed, such as a pap smear or a mammogram or those kinds of things, in order to make sure that that part of your health remains normal. So even if you have comorbid factors, you can still see midwives for that annual health care. And many women you know, go to their primary care and have other things done, but then come to us for their pap smear because their primary care either doesn't do it or they don't want them to do it. <laughs> so many times they'll come to a midwife for that. Obviously, I think what you were alluding to is from the maternity perspective. And that's where we get more fine-tuned as far as assessing a woman during pregnancy to make sure that they are in the right place with the right provider at the right time, either during the pregnancy or, or for the birth. And it's so hard for me to tell a woman, I'm sorry, but you're now risking out of our care. And we have luckily developed a nice network so that we have physicians and health systems that we can refer them into. So we have a continuum of care, which I'm very proud that we have built so that we can get women to those people that they may need. If someone 
let's say that they're not in a place where they're looking for maternal care or Mm -hmm. prenatal postnatal care. Mm -hmm. If I was just a patient walking in, what would be sort of my expectation for an appointment? What we do initially is um, have you fill out a lengthy questionnaire. And then once we have that history, then we do a complete physical exam, which would include, you know, checking and making sure that your thyroid is normal as far as palpating it and making sure that it's not too large or you don't have any nodules or those because the thyroid really impacts menstrual cycles. And so even though that you think, well, why are you focusing on the thyroid? There's a huge impact on uh, menstrual cycles and reproductive health if the thyroid is out of balance. So we always include that. We'll do listen to heart and lungs. We'll do a breast exam and do some teaching as far as this is how you should be doing this and this is when you should be doing this and this is when you should call me. Um, So every woman needs a breast exam at least once a year and then we'll do a pelvic exam and pap smear if it is indicated. Over the past hmm, probably eight years we've really shifted how we do our exams. We now know that it's not necessary to get a pap smear every year. And it's so funny because women would call and say, I need to schedule my pap smear. They wouldn't call and say, I need to schedule my annual exam. And so we're having to re-educate women, and I think the public, that you don't need a pap smear every year if you don't have any significant history. But you do need that breast exam. You do need the review of your health. And so that's really what we have kind of shifted over the years to be able to provide for women. And then part of that visit includes, this is where you are, this is where you're gonna be in the next five years, this is what we would recommend, and hopefully provide a little education. Always do what I call preconception counseling for a woman who is in reproductive age. Unfortunately, 50% of all pregnancies in the United States are not intended That doesn't mean that they're not wanted, but it's like, oops. Um, That's a lot of mistakes walking around. It is. It is. Or a lot of... um, Blessings. Surprises. (laughs) And blessings. Right, right. Um, So we try and do a little bit of education about, okay, are you planning to get pregnant within the next year? Here are some of the things that you need to do, you know, in preparation for that. I always say, if you're not preventing, (laughs) then you're planning. (laughs) So, um, you know, we talk about ways to prevent pregnancy if, in fact, you don't want to have a pregnancy in the next year. So that's kind of what a general health annual visit would look like for a woman. So with the pre-pregnancy planning, let's say that someone was at the Mm -hmm. age where pregnancy was possible. Part of that process, I would think, would be to talk about um, birth control options. Mm-hmm. And with the midwife team, are they able to prescribe yes. or put into place some of the other birth control options that are out there? We have a full range of prescriptive authority. So we can do prescriptive authority for all methods of birth control, treatment of sexually transmitted infections, vaginitis, obviously the medications that you may need during pregnancy if you have a UTI, are those kinds of things. So we have that uh, prescriptive authority. Now, if you, let's say that you're part of that 50% where uh-huh. then maybe you're like, oh, hey, all right, I'm <laughs> uh, pregnant and I wasn't necessarily <laughs> expecting this. Uh-huh. And then a patient comes in who is now 
a, you know, a pregnant patient. Yes. I would love you to walk through sort of what that person could expect. Well, the first couple of visits are generally a little more involved where we're doing a lot of history taking. Make sure that for our practice that you meet the criteria, one, to be with a midwife and two, to be in an outpatient, have your baby in an out-of-hospital setting. And so that includes, again, filling out some paperwork and letting us review that. But we go through a little bit more in depth when we're confirming a pregnancy because we want to know what medications you've been on for the past, you know, three months. And the recommendation is that if nothing else, we hope you've been on prenatal vitamins. But if you haven't, let's get you on prenatal vitamins. So we do uh, birth defect screening. We talk about genetic screening, depending on how early the woman is in her pregnancy. The pregnancy is really focusing on how your baby's growing, how you're growing, how you're developing. And it's not just physical, but it's also talking. And I think that's where we excel as nurse midwives. Because if your mind and your stress level is an issue, we need to get that understood. We need to figure out how that may impact how this baby grows and how you grow and try to put some techniques in place to do that stress management. We focus a lot on diet and exercise very early. Um, and I always say, you know, you're preparing for a marathon. If you were doing, if you were planning a marathon, you would be out there doing something every single day. And so we try and get that embedded early on. That's very hard to do in the first trimester because women are so tired. But that curtain's going to rise and you're going to be able to do that. And so planting those seeds early is important. And then we set up that visit schedule. Generally, you're seen once a month until you're 28 weeks, then every two to three weeks until you're 36 weeks, and then every week until you have your baby. Yeah, I know that from a comfort perspective, mm -hmm. that was one of the reasons that I personally was interested in the facility. Mm -hmm. So when I walked in, I had also looked at a couple different gynecologist offices as well because we moved from a different area down to the Long Beach area. Mm -hmm. So we needed to figure out like who <laughs> will be the provider. We were at UCLA before. Okay. So we thought, okay, let's check out some options. So I went to a couple gynecologists, um, also checked out Beach Cities. And from my perspective, what I love is you walk into the office, it has still a clean clinical feel to it in that respect, but there's a comfort mm -hmm. as well. So mm -hmm. the lighting is, is soft, there's nice couches, there's beautiful artwork. And then after you're out of the waiting room and you head back into the care rooms, there's a traditional room where you can have your women's care taken mm -hmm. care of. Mm -hmm. But then the other rooms that are located at the facility. So I was at the Long Beach location. Uh -huh. The other rooms are uh, set up where it's a large, I believe it's a king size bed. Or, right. Those yeah. are the birth rooms. Yeah. The birth rooms where there's king size right. beds. There's a couple rooms that have large birthing tubs with bathrooms right. attached. Right. So just thinking through, okay, what environment do I want to be in when I bring a child into this world? Do I want to be in a hospital setting? Or if I am in a place where my health is meets all of these requirements for a quote-unquote low-risk birth, mm -hmm. would I rather be in this setting? Mm -hmm. And knowing that anyone that I could receive care from at Beach Cities, which is another point I want to talk about with how every time you come in, you're sort of meeting with a different midwife right. and that process. 
but I felt comfortable that everyone had the necessary credentials to take mm-hmm. care of me, but I could be in a very comfortable setting, which is something That's nice to hear. Yeah. It was something that I did not expect necessarily on my journey. I just hadn't thought about it prior to getting pregnant. I just hadn't thought about a lot of mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. issues. You definitely felt like you're at home and you just felt like you were cared for. Even from like the husband's perspective, I was like, oh, I actually would hang out here. But, you know, <laughs> there's a nice TV. It's like pretty relaxed, nice music happening. It's like, you don't feel like you're in a cold, stuffy office with, you know, fluorescent lights just killing you and stuff. So it was, it was nice well, that's for good me to hear. Too. That's yeah. what we were we are hoping to have and provide. So it's always nice to hear those things. And I also liked part of the process where I was meeting with a different midwife Mm -hmm. at any point in time, because I know traditionally, if you go to your gynecologist, that is the person that you expect to be there when your baby is delivered. But that's not always the case. Mm -hmm. And the majority of the time, you're in the care of the nursing team that's present when you arrive to give birth. Right. I think the thing from a birthing center perspective, I mean, we talked about the prenatal care, but then what about the day? What about the time? And I think one of the things that's important from a midwifery-led model is that when you come in, I mean, obviously we have ways that you can get us quickly. And once we decide to come in and you are in more of that active part of labor and it's time to just focus in, then the midwife is there to evaluate you and stay with you then for your entire labor. Whereas with traditional practices, it's the nurses will evaluate you and the nurses are very good. I'm not, I'm not saying they're not good, but the provider then comes in at the very end. And I have found from my own perspective, and I think most nurse midwives will tell you this, that if you are there with a woman in labor, and you see how she is managing, and you assist and support in that management, you don't have to do multiple checks because you know that she's progressing. It's not that you wouldn't get checked again, but many times, I would say all of the time, we have significantly low rates of doing pelvic exams during labor because we're there in the labor with you. And the reason that the least amount of physical intervention is important is because then it reduces changing the natural progression of what could be happening. I think one of the things that is also wonderful about birth centers is that we have the deep immersion tubs. And in a way, I think it may be not recognized by women sometimes, but when they're in the tub, they feel a safety very differently when they're out of the tub. Because whether you know it or not, there's not a whole lot of ways to intervene when you're sitting in a tub. Does that make sense? Yeah. You have to get out of the tub for that to happen. And so if you know how labor progresses and you know how women respond in labor, we don't need to get you out of the tub. I mean, but even if you're on land, you decide never to get in the tub. We know how to look like that. We know when it's time for you to start to push your baby out and um, then a will support and assist you with that. The other thing that I think we do really well at the birth center is we have birth assistants that are just amazing. And our birth assistants can either be an RN or they can have come through the um, doula training so that both foundations are important to understand how to support a woman in labor. And then the birth assistants, we do our own individual 
certification with them so that they have additional skills that are not only going to help you, but help us during the birth process. Yeah, we toyed with the idea of hiring a doula Mm -hmm. just because, okay, there could be benefits there, but we felt like the Beach Cities team or just Mm -hmm. the, the team that would be there would really be enough for us in that event. And I think many women find that. However, I do want to mention something about doulas. When you begin your labor, I wish my crystal ball was crystal. But I can't tell you whether you're going to have a six-hour early labor, hit that mark where you really begin to accelerate and have a baby, versus you're going to have a 24-hour early labor and then not. So when women ask me, what do you think about a doula? I tell everybody, I think doulas are fabulous because one, they're going to work with you during the pregnancy. Um, And then if you are one of those that has that long, early labor. So I get what you're saying. Once you're at the birth center, we've got that support. I mean, if you have a doula, we're going to continue to do that. And I think the other thing that doulas can provide is that they generally will do a couple of visits postpartum to your home and just kind of how's it going and what's happening. So obviously it's everybody's decision. And I think depending on what your support system and how you feel you've got that, or do you really need somebody else to help with that? So I'm not saying every woman needs a doula, but I think it's something that every woman should consider. How does that sound? I think that Jason is uh-huh. going to have to get doula certified if we ever have another child. I, I, I was a doula there for a couple minutes. That's right. Uh, maybe a couple hours. Yeah. So, you know. Well, and I think there are many husbands that are partners that are great at that role, but I think there are a few that are exceptional. And I think that if you have that, then y'all are the ones that make that decision. And some people don't want to, they want to have just as few a number of people at their birth um, that more people can be distracting. And so that's something that, you know, you have to decide as a couple or as a family. But I think all women should at least know about doulas and consider that. The postpartum care too, yes. having somebody come over yeah. to check on you postpartum. Now let's say that you've given birth at the birth center, uh-huh. different than a hospital setting. What is that transition like postpartum? Well, I'll, I'll kind of start with the birth. Number one, when your baby's born, your baby comes right to you. We know babies will transition on your chest better than anywhere else. And we know you will as well. So we leave babies right there. We don't do early cord clamping. I get amused by the history of that. Number one, midwives did delayed cord clamping for years. Our reason for doing delayed cord clamping, and I'm talking now if you're in a hospital setting, um, was that they couldn't take your baby away. So it had nothing to do with now we know the incredible benefits. I mean, I think there's a huge benefit of not taking your baby away. But there are other remarkable benefits from delayed cord clamping. But we were just kind of being stubborn and saying, no, you can't have the baby. The baby's still attached. And there wasn't a whole lot anybody could do about it. So we've been long known for keeping babies, mommies and babies together. So babies come to you. Once the placenta starts to show signs of separation, then we do go ahead and clamp and generally have partners cut a cord. I haven't cut a cord in years. Um, Fully capable, but... (laughs) I see a tear. (laughs) (laughs) But it's important to, you know, have y'all involved with that. And then we also know that baby 
figures out where it's gonna get its first meal. A lot better if that baby stays here. It takes about a half hour for a baby to figure out what planet they're on, but once they do, if they're on the right planet, they figure out where the next meal is coming from. So it's easier to initiate breastfeeding. It's easier to teach from that because now you're not trying to explore your baby when your baby wants to feed. If your baby's taken away from you and then brought back to you at 15 to 20 minutes of life, about a half hour, they're, they're starting to root and they wanna, they wanna go, but your interest is exploring your baby. And so there's a little dissonance with where you are and where your baby is. Does that make sense? Why would the doctors want to take the baby away? Um, it was always that, well, we need to check and make sure the baby's transitioning fine. I can watch a baby that's on your chest and tell you whether you're transitioning or not fine and if there's anything else that needs to happen. But I think that was just the traditional method. Babies were born, the cord was clamped, the baby went over. I mean, you kind of were able to kind of go look you know, look up a little bit and go, huh, there's my baby. But you know, then they come back and they're all wrapped up and you can see their eyes and their nose and their mouth and you can't see anything else because heaven forbid they could get cold. We know the best warmer is mama. And so keeping babies on mothers keeps them warm, allows that exploration, allows us to assess the baby without any problem at all, and prepares them for that initiation of breastfeeding. So, you know, those are some of the things that I think are, are really important and that we find that if you are with a woman in labor, it's just a natural to do that. We also, in, a, in the midwifery world, our scope of practice includes initial care of the newborn so that in a traditional sense, you have an obstetrician that does the birth and then, okay, done with that. And then the pediatrician takes care of the baby. And so there's that gap in... Um, just transition. Okay? It, it works very well, but it's not as personal and I don't think it's as comforting to baby and satisfying to mama. Yeah, and then after baby's born, uh-huh. the, one of the differences is that if there were no complications in mm-hmm. labor and for some reason you didn't end up needing to go to a hospital mm-hmm. setting and you're at the birth center, there's that four-hour window. Right, right. We usually, as long as you and baby are stable, and have met those milestones that we assess, um, then we will transition you home. And we know that if we've initiated breastfeeding, that you're able to get up and move around, that you're eating well, those kinds of parameters, that having you go home gets the baby and you into a routine that is that more kind of natural. Now, obviously, we're giving you that guidance. It's not a matter you go home, put a baby in a room, and you go in another room and... (laughs) You know, maybe you'll get back together. (laughs) But, you know, uh, we try and and do that. And at the birth center, we have two classes that, while they're not mandatory, I think they should be for first-time parents. And that's the breastfeeding class and the infant care class. Because the questions new parents have is, how do I feed my baby and what is my baby trying to tell me? And so by doing that those classes you have that foundation and then you also have the midwives to reinforce that when you're at the birth center and then you come back in a couple of days in order to um, do another assessment even though we call that the visit where you have the newborn screening done which if anybody's had a baby they know that's the pricking of the heel and 
and drawing of blood to make sure that baby's digesting their food properly. It's a really important test. But we do a lot of other assessment there to, you know, weighing the baby, making sure the baby doesn't have significant jaundice, the breastfeeding is going, you know, going good if you need little tips. Because as babies go through those first two weeks, their suck patterns change, your milk supply changes. And so making sure that at that next mark, you're on track as far as, as breastfeeding and you know taking care of your baby. And then we set up that two week visit for you. So postpartum wise, we see you at two weeks and at six weeks. Again, traditional care is six weeks only. Boy, there's a lot of water under the bridge at six weeks. And so we wanna make sure that we are um, with you at the two-day mark, the two-week mark, and then the traditional six-week mark. And the traditional six-week mark is where many people think that then they're quote-unquote cleared right. to resume normal Absolutely. activity. Absolutely. Yeah. You can resume whatever physical or sexual activity you want to. I mean, as long as everything's fine after that. But in that two-week visit, we begin to talk a little bit about birth control. And every time I say birth control, people hear birth control pills, there are many methods to prevent pregnancy. And so we go through all of those methods and and figure out what's going to work best for that couple. But it's very important that we emphasize to families that they should not get pregnant for at least a year. Some of the new guidelines are coming down and saying we should really be recommending 18 months. Because if you think about it, for a woman, if you're going to breastfeed, The recommendation is to any milk that the baby receives in the first year of life should be breast milk, however that is provided. But certainly for the first six months, that exclusive breastfeeding is what's recommended. So if you're breastfeeding exclusively for the first six months, you're not packing down a lot of reserves. I mean, you're you're maintaining, right? But you're giving a lot of those reserves to your baby. Once you start in that second six months, babies generally will start supplementing. And that's when you will start being able to rebuild your reserves. And so that's why we've always said a year, because then we feel that the reserves are kind of back up. And if you have another pregnancy, your body's ready for it. But now some of the literature that's coming out is saying, you know, you're just barely getting back up to kind of pre-pregnancy. I I feel it. At the end of a year. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so by going an additional six months, so we try and educate not just for, oh, you had a baby, here's your baby, have a nice life, mm. but here's what's next, just like we were talking about with the GYN visits. And I can see how many people become pregnant in a short period of time after because typically your period is not showing up. That's right. So if you had a normal period prior and you're looking for that marker, there's so much change happening that your your mind is all over the place, so you might think like oh I'm probably not going to get pregnant I just had a child mm-hmm. when in reality you're probably like fertile myrtle over here like <laughs> yeah and I have told women that you know for whatever reason have to go an infertility route for their first pregnancy I say your body knows what it's doing now don't test it no. <laughs> you know uh, at least for a year <laughs> so um I think that it's just really important, not only for the woman's long-term health, but also the next baby. We know there's an increased chance of having a smaller baby. Now, if you've had a 10-pound baby, you may go, that's like, a good idea. I'd like to get pregnant like to now. Sign that one right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's not the best way to, to go for it. Um, and there's a little higher incidence of um, preterm birth. Because, again, the body's just not ready yet. 
And then let's say that the parent, the baby, they make it to that six week mark. They're Mm -hmm. checked out. Everything's on track. What would be the next time that somebody may come in to see you? You know, again, I think that's quite variable. Um, Since we don't do pap smears every year now, um, and that's appropriate. Um, I usually, I think if you ask 10 different providers, they may give you 10 different answers. I usually tell women, when the baby's about six to eight months old, come on in. Because that's when we see another transition taking place, like the breastfeeding is shifting. Um, You know, where are you with your weight? What are you thinking about as far as another pregnancy? Reinforcing that, don't get pregnant for at least a year. So that's what I like to tell women, even if we don't need to do a pap smear, to be able to come in and link in and start getting your annual health reviews done. Do you find that if someone gives birth at a birth center for their first birth, that they're more likely to come back for their second birth as well? Yes, but I think because of the way we are socialized, not all women come to a birth center first time. I think those that do and have you know the birth center experience will do that. I think one of the big issues is insurance. And I think the second piece is that women that have had a not so satisfying experience with their first, then go, why didn't I research this before? There's gotta be a better way. Meaning like they had a non-satisfying right. traditional, a traditional. Crew, like a mm-hmm, obstetrician mm-hmm. kind of And you know, there are women that everybody's gotta plan their birth the way they wanna have it done. And I am a huge proponent of that because if you're in the place where you think you need to be with the right people that you think you need to be, you're going to let go and have a baby. But there are some women that will come in and just say, uh, I want an epidural. Okay. That's not going to happen at a birth center. And many times I say, I want a midwife, but I want an epidural. And so then we kind of are in that dissonance part. We're very fortunate at Beach Cities in that um, we do have a hospital option. We don't really market that option right now because we're, you know, our primary is in the out-of-hospital birth center setting. But there are some folks that say, I really want a midwife, but I want to be in the hospital. And so that, I think, is something that we'll see grow in the future. If someone is interested in learning more Uh about the process of a birth center to see, is this right for me? Are there any resources that you recommend where someone should begin? Well, for us, we always say, if you want to learn more, set up a consultation visit. There's no charge to them. It's a 30 minute, you get an opportunity to meet with the midwife and go over what the care practices are. I mean, it's not an in-depth, but it certainly gives a review, kind of like what we've done today. And then um, you get a tour of the birth center and you get a chance to meet with our financial group, what I call our insurance arm, to go over what your current insurance is and what your insurance covers, doesn't cover, all of those things. The American Association of Birth Centers is a website. It's a national organization, and it talks about what's a birth center, how is care provided, where are the birth centers. So if someone is is not in this particular area, so they, they're not in our Long Beach, Laguna, or Corona areas, but let's say live in um, Fresno, they can go to the American Association of Birth Centers and find birth centers that are in their area. And then if someone wanted to learn more about Beach Cities mm-hmm. in particular, mm-hmm. share with us where they can A um, couple you. of ways. One, the website, 
Um, the website is beachcitiesmidwifery.com, all one word. And we have lots of resources on that page that talk about our birth center. There's also a way to send an inquiry and say, I'm interested in more information. And then one of us will reach out to you to set up a consultation appointment. And then if you wanted to just shoot an email, again, it's real easy. It's beachcitiesmidwifery at gmail.com. All right. We can link in the show notes too. Yeah. And then on social. Oh, social media. Absolutely. Oh, how can I forget that? Um, We're Facebook. We're Instagram. We're Twitter. So again, on the website, it kind of gives you that link. But if you were to just put in Beach Cities Midwifery, it's going to come up on all of those places. Awesome. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure. We appreciate you imparting your wisdom on us. It was was awesome to sit down to learn more about your background and how Beach Cities came to be and the entire midwifery practice and how that intertwines with medicine as we know it today. Yes, yes. I will give one more little piece of information if I can. There's a, um, obviously I'm biased, but I think women, the more prepared they are during pregnancy, the better it is. And there is a wonderful book out there called The Healthy Pregnancy Book. Um, Dr. Sears, Robert Sears, is a pediatrician that's local here in California and is has a huge library of different books. I was honored to be able to be a co-author on the Healthy Pregnancy book. So it comes from not just a medical place, but it comes from a midwifery place or natural and normal. And these are the things that you need to know. So that may be a good resource. Yes, absolutely. And you reminded me, I need to ask you if you have any key takeaways for the audience. I think that was it right there. But like a key takeaway that you would want to leave if you could just give them like one bit of info. I guess my takeaway is we have been socialized over the years that your body can't do it, that you can't do it without the assistance of major medications. And I will guarantee you, your grandmothers and great-grandmothers and all of the women in the world have been giving birth to their babies without that high technology. We've run into problems when we add technology, so my takeaway would be trust your body, trust your providers, be in the place where you want to be, and you're going to let go and have a baby. Awesome. Thank you, BJ. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank Thank you you. for helping us to elevate the vibe. Yes. (laughs) All right. What up, Vibe Hive? If this podcast has brought you any value, please rate and review on your favorite listening platform. And if you're really feeling generous, share with a friend. Visit us at elevatethevibe.co for show notes on this episode and previous episodes. This podcast is intended to educate, entertain, and inspire. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or substitute for professional medical advice. Please consult your healthcare provider with any questions you may have. Thank you for helping us to elevate the vibe.